Well, hello, and welcome to episode two of Church Matters, a podcast for Sovereign Grace Church in Marlton, New Jersey. I'm Jason Reyes, executive pastor at SGC, here with Warren Betcher, our senior pastor. Now, today we're going to be talking about a few things that are pertinent to our church here in Marlton, some updates on our recent prayer and fast that took place last week, Sunday's message on saving love within our series, What's Love Got to Do With It?, as well as a few other things. But first, I'd like a little ministry, if I can, from you, Warren. You see that I'm dressed all in black today over the loss of the Ravens this past Saturday night. I mean, can you believe it? 14-2 and outed the very first game. Yeah, and what, what was sad is not that they just lost, but they really were never in the game. No. They were crushed. And I feel bad for your sorrow, but there are some sorrows, my friend, that just can't be comforted. <laughs> so it's just loss. You just experienced just have to experience the yep. loss. It's a fall world suffering. So. <laughs> Real quickly, for those who are NFL fans, are there any teams that you're actually rooting for right now to get into the Super Bowl? I think that the Titans are coming up. They've beaten two teams on the road uh-huh. as underdogs. Yep. So, you know, you got to like them right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Henry's playing really well. Uh, they'll have a test next week with Kansas City in that offense. Yep. But if they can control the ball. So I think they're the underdogs. Probably that's who I'm rooting for. Okay. Um, I'll tell you about who I'm cheering for later on. But again, I'm still just in deep sorrow. Yeah. But let's move on. If we can, I'm sure enough people are, are tired of hearing about my sorrow at this point. But let's talk, if we could, just briefly about the prayer and fast that we had last week uh, with our church. So what were, uh, what were some of the things that you were grateful for coming out of this time? Well, one, I'm grateful for the time that we have to do it, just that we can do this. This is a get-to, that we get to draw together and pray. And, and that we've done this now for many, many years as a church to start the year. People look forward to it every year. God meets us every year in very specific ways. This year had a different feel. It was much more personal ministry. And being able to pray for people and pray for one another, and yet pray for one another within the context of the church and within the context of our mission for the gospel. That's good. So very encouraged. And then very encouraged by the people who came out. Yeah. I was Um, really blessed by how many people showed up both nights. Yeah, both nights. So that's very encouraging. Prayer is work. You know, it's easier to go and and just listen or even sing. But when you're praying, it's interactive. And I think it's labor. And it's a ministry work. And I think when we think about the year, we think about the things we want to do. And yet this is really the work we do. This is the work of ministry. This is the fuel for that work. And, right. and grateful that just knowing that God heard us. Right. And God will answer beyond our experience, beyond our wisdom, beyond our, you know, what we would have as goals. Right. So trusting that as well. That's great. Hey, did you get a chance to go on Friday night, just check out the children's program that was taking place? Yeah, I went back before the meeting and then immediately after the meeting. Okay. And there was a buzz of activity yeah. with the children. So they, you could tell they were excited. I saw my grandchildren there, showed up in their jammies. So they thought, <laughs> how cool is it to go to church on a Friday night in your pajamas? So that, I think for them, that is being up late at night, you know, yeah. they're used to coming to church, but all of a sudden yeah. it's like, we're going to church and that's late. So I think just the fact that the church is a good place to go and a fun place to go, that was meaningful. So there was a buzz right. of activity, but I think what was most meaningful was the comments afterwards mm-hmm. by parents who were so great grateful for this opportunity, not just for the kids, and they weren't being babysat, but right. for really to be learning about prayer right? and to learn about the Lord's Prayer. And it's not the form of the Lord's Prayer, it's the values that are in the Lord's That's Prayer. That's good. That's about good. God's kingdom yep. and God's glory. So to have our children taught that 
and experience that by people that were serving so gladly, that's a great experience. Yeah, excellent. Well, yeah. shout out to all those who served. Really yeah. grateful for that. And uh, Susan Haggerty as well for taking up the leadership of that program. So grateful. So thank yeah. you, Susan. Yep. Really appreciate it. This past Sunday, you preached message two in our 10-week series, What's Love Got to Do With It? And this one was titled saving love. Now, the main point that you have was a little puritanical, if you will, just in terms of not the content, but the length of it. But I will go ahead and read it anyways. You said the main point is the large hearted love that God commands is only possible by experiencing the gracious love that God gives. Now, I'm assuming that the pastoral burden is to make sure that we don't take the charge that we heard last Sunday from Jesus to the church in Ephesus, you know, where his statement, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. That we don't just seek to do love apart from experiencing that love first. Am I correct in terms of that pastoral burden? That's clearly the burden we okay. have. So, yeah. so why is that so important then for the Christian? Experience before doing. I think it always goes from the indicative, what God's done for us, mm-hmm. before we go to the imperative, what we do in response to, to that. That's excellent. And I think... Our tendency by nature is to think about our responsibilities. I think it's the default position. I think we easily can fall into legalism or moralism. Right. Just do the right thing, and we believe the right thing, and we do the right things, and yet we haven't really contemplated the deeper things. Right. We want to slow down before we start to hear the commands, and the commands are clear. Right. The warning's clear in Revelation 2, and in fact, if you read throughout 1 John Really, the emphasis of if you don't love your brother whom you do see, you do not love God whom you don't. And so I think that can become an ethic. And then we can start to apply what does love look like and not realizing we don't have that internally by ourselves. We need God to do something in us for us to really love others. So Mm -hmm. the source has got to be God. In your message, you mentioned an A.W. Tozer quote. I jotted down the end of the quote, which I just thought was so good. Love is not the result of redemption. It is the cause of it. Mm-hmm. What is it about Jesus' humble coming, if you will, to his creation that seems to intensify our awe and wonder at his love? Yeah, I think, uh, one, we have to slow down and think about it mm-hmm. uh, because we're used to Christmas. Right, in, right. In a country that celebrates it every year and every year talks about the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, they don't usually get it right. Because um, it's not the true meaning of Christmas isn't giving. Right. Um, it's not universal love. It's not universal love and, okay. and, and those kinds of <laughs> hallmark card sentiments. Right. There really is content to the coming of Christ. And I think in the humility of Christ to take on flesh, mm-hmm. that I think is going to be a mystery we'll have better understanding of in heaven. Right. So even while I can talk about it now, I think until we see the great glory. Okay. That's and good. we see the throne room scenes of heaven and are there then to understand, oh my, he left this right. to do this, right. to come here and take on flesh. Even limitations. Right. He had to walk places. Mm-hmm. He couldn't be in every place at the same time. He was tired. He was fully human. He was fully man. I think that is the great mystery of how God takes on flesh. So I think that we have to grasp and to think, well, what motivates that? Right. Well, it's for God so loved the world. That's good. He sent his son. That's good. And the son came to save the world. Right. And so I think the impacting of that, it demonstrates the love of God. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there really is no other explanation now, you know, because it certainly isn't because we're worthy of it. Right. So what were some of the things as you were studying that really just, in a sense, you said, you got to stop, you got to slow down. You can't allow these things just to kind of rush over you. What were some of those moments for you? So you talked about Jesus's coming. 
yeah. you know, as incarnation. Were there other things too that you were thinking through? Yeah, certainly glory left was massive. And probably the other thing, and it's not new, but the slowing down of who he came for. I mean, if he had come just revealed, that would have made sense. Right. Every knee would bow. Every <laughs> knee would bow. I mean, fall. Yeah. People would fall prostrate. And right. the most arrogant, the most powerful would realize they count nothing. And then to think that he came for people that weren't interested, wouldn't care. Right. It would be ambivalent. So you have the angry mob, and we always see that. The, the resistance. Yeah, and the people that are screaming crucify him. We right. hear the angry mob, and sometimes we say, well, I wouldn't be in that angry mob, but we might have been in the ambivalent mob that just didn't even care. Right. Yeah, so what? And that's really the world. So I think knowing he still loves this world that's indifferent, that's rebellious, that's hurting one another. Mankind does horrible things to mankind. Globally, historically, no culture's immune from that. People do evil to people. And to see that God would die for people like that. Mm, that's good. Uh, and then making it personal. Right. It's me. Right. It's knowing my indifference, not prior to salvation. It's even post-salvation. Right. Prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. Just a contemplation that it's me that he loved. It's me that he was a sacrifice for. You mentioned in the message, or at least asked us to really assess and bring before the Lord, am I large-hearted in love for God that extends to others? Mm -hmm. and, and this obviously is flowing from the text that you preached out of for 1 John 4. What are some of the implications of a large-hearted love for God that you can expound upon for us? Maybe there's in areas, in categories, I think of pastoral concerns that you may have, concern for how we engage with the culture, and then maybe even just personal concerns, because you shared some things even just from your own life that God was sharing. My concern personally first is to drift from it. Doesn't mean there's not genuine love. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think we, we should look back and say we were never loving. Right. But I think we can say our love can drift. Mm -hmm. So a love in a home can drift. I love my wife. She's the greatest gift to me. That doesn't mean I don't ever neglect. Right. And I can let love drift. So that's the concern. And, and I think in the context of this message and why it's so important that God fills us is love needs a context to be worked out. Oh, and it's good. context that I think indicates genuineness. And it's context God gives us, I believe, at times to rescue us from self-deception. So I think we can be in a place where we're thinking we're loving, and we're loving God, and we're having our devotions, and yet people irritate us. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't pay attention and really look in the mirror, right. We forget who we are. Uh, and James warns about that, that mm -hmm. the man who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets. Mm -hmm. We have to put love in a context. Right. It's just easy to say this. I believe in Jesus, and yet ha that has no claim. I think it's easy to say, I love, and yet it has no claim and it has no context. So we need context, which I think when you read First John soberly, he is always saying, if you don't love your brother, right, right. you don't love God. There's a real context of that working out in relationships it's with working one another, out, right? Yeah. One's the cause of the other, and, and the other is the evidence right. of the cause. That's good. So they are they are bound together mm -hmm. and can't be separated, right. which is why I think the local church is so important. Mm -hmm. And if you think the New Testament, there was only one local church in town. So you had to work through issues. So we see the church at Corinth. At one point, they defined love very sentimentally. And they don't discipline a man who needs to be disciplined. And they're not loving. They're actually in the license. They're celebrating Christian liberty that wasn't liberty at all. Mm -hmm. And then you have by Second Corinthians 2, the church is being harsh. They're not welcoming the man back. That was one church that had to work through stuff. And you just couldn't go somewhere else easily. And that's why I think the church becomes the context of how do we work this out and mm -hmm. flesh this out in real love. You do recognize we live in a culture and in a context that values education and is very involved, if you will, politically. 
in which we're grateful we live in a country that provides those opportunities for us. But what would be some of the concerns that you'd have pastorally for the Christian that is, and maybe even just right now is really getting geared up for the election that's coming out a little bit later on this year in terms of how do we process love for God and love for others in the context of maybe your philosophical persuasion politically? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And it would be this would be a, a great concern. I think politics is one of the things that can make Christians very earthbound. Mm. And we start to function like the world does. And that's a concern. And what I, do you mean by that? I think there's a lack of love. You hold an opinion. And if somebody doesn't share your opinion, they're judged. Okay. And so one of my concerns is a lack of charity, that we actually could look at it at the same issue and have a different answer to it. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between political positions and maybe moral ones. Right. So I think there's some positions there should be unanimous view of. Right when it becomes to pure morality and Christian and biblically defined, but political positions are far different. Right. So I'm concerned when there's a lack of charity that this person, because they don't think the way I do, they're somehow less of a Christian. Churches should be filled with Democrats and Republicans, people that are voting for different people and understand why the other side might be doing so. And think charitably about that. And charitable is you've actually been thoughtful, so you're not ignorant, but you actually thought through your position and then I want to understand it, not just argue my own. So I think we become world when all we do is argue our own position and it becomes a debate and you're not actually listening to the other side. You're not willing to go in and have your position changed. I think it becomes a prejudicial position. So I think lack of charity would be a concern for me. And I think I've seen that function even in our own church mm-hmm. at times where there's been a lack of charity in conversations. And then I think confidence, I think people still can we can start to place hope and confidence in political systems right. or in candidates. Scripture is very clear. These are all man-made institutions. Mm-hmm. They're all ordained by God. Mm-hmm. So in one sense, every candidate who ever gets elected is God's choice. Right. But right. how Christians talk about this is God's man, well, actually anybody, because God's sovereign over it all. So right. does the sovereignty of God truly function for us? Does the temporary nature of this world function for us? Does the fallen condition of this world function for us? Where are we putting our hope? That, I think, allows us to participate freely, to even have opinions, but not to get tied into those opinions. Right. Also, you know, to keep in mind, I think there is something of the experience of God's love for us. It is to bleed out and actually to, you know, pun intended, but it's to trump any political position that we might have. Absolutely. So, and that would extend into understanding not just the issues, but how issues might affect certain people, correct? Racism, right? Yeah. Uh, You see a lot of anti-Semitism right now in Mm -hmm. the news and so forth and things that are going on. What would be some of the concerns that you'd have in terms of understanding care for our brothers and sisters who are ethnically diverse. That's one category. I think there's other categories as well, but certainly ethnic would be a a major category, and Mm -hmm. it's a big category right now. My concern is that are we really seeking to listen and care, or are we just talking? Same concern I have for when people are suffering. You go in and you try to fix the problem, and so you have a solution, you tell them what to do, (laughs) and they haven't even felt listened to yet. And they may have already heard your solution 10 other times. Have we truly tried to understand the other person, thought of them as more important than ourselves, Mm -hmm. and look to their interest above our own? That's good. And I think James, slow to speak, quick to listen. That's a demonstration of love. I think I could ask someone legitimately, I don't understand why you voted for this person. So help me understand it rather than this is my pretext to tell you why you were wrong and to sort of put you on the right course, to be shocked that you could vote for. And that goes on both directions. I think listening, that's expressing love, right? If I really listen, 
right. seek to understand yep. and care for you. Yep. I think that's going to put us in a much better position to talk about the issues. You mentioned in your message, and I appreciate your humility as well, in sharing where God had convicted you recently over a lack of large-hearted love, mm-hmm. and putting that in a, in a category there. You mentioned one of the disciplines that you're seeking to grow in over this year is regularly contemplating and meditating upon the love of God for you. Can I ask you, why are you doing that? And then how are you doing that? Yeah, well, it's, uh, I think I referenced before this book called The Common Rule, which is just habits. It's not a, I wouldn't say it's brilliant new insights. Mm -hmm. It's not that kind of book. It doesn't have that kind of gravitas to it. It's just life for normal people and normal habits and habits lead us and inform us. So I'm trying to change habits, which is slow down. So in the morning, I contemplate the love of God. In the afternoon, I stop again because life is busy. And I think busyness is an enemy of love and an enemy of contemplation. It can be brief, but it's just the intentional habit of stopping and considering God loves me. He knows me. He sees me in my day and he loves me. Now, Lord, help me to be loving in the next parts of my day. The grace of God catches us when we miss. So I think it was the grace of God that I referenced where I saw arrogance Mm -hmm. and impatience. I don't think I would have seen that had I not been contemplating this question. So this simple question very short is actually caused me to contemplate. The contemplation became longer and was more private, but it led me to repentance and awareness. That's excellent. In in this contemplation, I know some of the phraseology, if you will, that's been kind of in vogue, but really it's been around for quite some time. I think Jerry Bridges made it popular, Mm -hmm. although he would even say he was not the author of this phrase, preach the gospel to yourself every day. I have this just quote from Jerry Bridges of what that means. And then I want to ask you a little bit to interact with this. Because it does sound like that's what you were talking Mm -hmm. about as well. So I'm trying to help us, especially our listeners, to put some handles to this. He writes, to preach the gospel to yourself then means that you continually face up to your own sinfulness and then flee to Jesus through faith in his shed blood and righteous life. It means that you appropriate again by faith the fact that Jesus fully satisfied the law of God and that he is your propitiation and that God's holy wrath is no longer directed towards you. In terms of preaching the gospel to yourself, What have been some of the ways that you seek to grow in cultivating this discipline? Because it does seem like it's both an offensive weapon and a Mm -hmm. defensive weapon, Mm -hmm. right? When temptation comes Mm -hmm. uh, and then when conviction comes, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, so what do I do with this? So help me understand what are some of the ways that you seek to do this in a practical way outside of the slowing yourself down? What are some of the things that you're contemplating? What are some of the things that you're thinking Mm -hmm. about? What are there passages of scripture that resonate with this for you? Yeah, there would be different texts um, that would resonate. And at times, James, you know, that I not forget, yeah. go to the mirror and forget who I am. Uh-huh. So I think the contemplation for me is one, I need to be aware when there's a sinful attitude and pause. So whether that's driving, and I just say in my mind, what an idiot to the driver in front of me or behind right. me or turning in front of me. And just stopping and realize, what did I just do? So that's what happened to me on when, when Saturday. It was, the, it was first an awareness, but then it's confession. And I think it's immediately the confession that this is wicked, whether it's private, public, a thought, it, it really is wicked. Because I am judging in those moments. I am being arrogant. I'm being selfish. There's probably a variety of sins that, right. that could be functioning. But isn't that amazing, though, that even in that, yeah. you're not overwhelmed by that because there is a faith in the gospel, right? Yeah, that it, allows you to recognize... Hey, God sees all this and still yes. loves me, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, confession immediately draws me back to the cross. Excellent, excellent. And draws me to how God's love is so 
qualitatively different than mine. <laughs> and that actually yeah. leads to encouragement. Excellent. So it's not a, it doesn't, you don't wallow. It's actually good surgery. Right. It's a heart surgery. It's precise. So mm -hmm. it's not general. It's not mm -hmm. general. I'm a failure. It's what you did in this moment was wrong. And that comes from this kind of a heart that God does see he has already paid for. And so then it is completing the circle to get to the cross and seeing all that sin's forgiven. God's not surprised. He's not turning away. And even the place of recognition and confession is part of God's rescue. That's already work of the Spirit. Right. So I think it keeps God centered to all that and not just sort of a woe is me. I blew it again. Or even taking the opposite extreme, which is, I'm just going to try harder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you're just going to fail again. <laughs> yeah. Some of the other things that we've been trying to do and leverage with this series is scripture memorization, the importance mm -hmm. of hiding God's word in our heart. Past two weeks uh, that we were in week two, we did Mark 12, 29 through 31, which is obviously an expression of the great commandment. Love mm -hmm. the Lord your God with all your heart with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Second, be like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then 1 John 4.10. Some of the other things that we've been trying to do is also encourage our church to recognize the discipline of preaching the gospel to yourself actually can come via singing the gospel. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things that motivated us into creating a playlist for this sermon series, What's Love Got to Do With It? Really just an attempt to provide a soundtrack, if you will, to sing the gospel to yourself and then in terms to worship the Lord through that. And I, I got to confess, I am somebody who loves music and loves to have music playing all the time in the background. I love putting this playlist together, but I've really enjoyed just listening to mm -hmm. it, you know, especially some of the songs that maybe I haven't really thought about for a long time, but are really driving this central theme of Christ's love mm -hmm. for me and just being undone. Grateful, but undone. I don't know if there are other things that you would recommend for us and our listeners in terms of ways that we can continue to sow this value of reaching the gospel to ourselves mm -hmm. you know, every day. Memory works crucial. I think that is, I mean, high God's word in our heart. And there is a, a, an assumption of we are reading God's word as well. Right? Yeah, so. yeah. Praying, being a married man, my wife and I are carving out more time to pray. We pray at night, which is briefer, but we have Mondays. It's part of our Sabbath. Excellent. And part of that Sabbath rest for us is to pray. And then I think the other thing, it's always good to be thinking about how you share the gospel with others. Mm -hmm. Good news is meant to be shared. And we want to be good news in South Jersey. And, and that'd be for believers and unbelievers alike? Yes, I think we're good yeah. news to believers when we're talking with them because they can often be discouraged right. and fall under condemnation and hear accusation and be tempted to be worldly. Demas's love for the world made his love grow dim. And, right. and, and he, and he, walk, and he walked away. away. Um, so we need people to talk truth to us all the time. So I think Christians to Christians and obviously to unbelievers and just how can we be good news in those places? And it reminds us of God's good news for us. Warren, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I hope that everyone else who's listening is enjoying it. Again, do want to remind you in Church Matters, we are seeking to answer any questions that you might have as well. So there are places on our church website that you can go ahead and access that and forward your questions to us and really hope that this has been beneficial for the life of our church. We look forward to next week and some of the other conversations that are going to flow from what's taking place here locally, but also, you know, extra locally as well as we contemplate the future. And lastly, I do want to say just a quick shout out let's go chiefs because i do have a heart for andy <laughs> reed and i think of all coaches he deserves a super bowl hopefully i have some philly fans that will actually go ahead and jump on the bandwagon with me on that without further ado thank you so much for being here thank you bye-bye